Welcome to the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden, your host. Really excited to share this podcast with you. You'll find out why in just a moment. Well, okay, in addition to sharing your thoughts with everybody and vice versa, which I appreciate and enjoy the heck out of, this week on the show, Andrew Zimmern will join us. Andrew, well, you know him from his former Travel Channel show, Bizarre Foods. The guy will put almost anything in his mouth, kind of like your little brother, probably. But now he's also got a show on the Outdoor Channel. We're going to talk about his wild game kitchen program and you know something better to do than throw your birds in the crock pot with cream of mushroom soup so that'll be one of the things we'll cover this week in our handlet training segment why both of you need to keep calm and carry on and then our facebook social media discussion is well Uh, Let's have a little fun. I put up a photo I'll talk about, and you wrote the caption. It's going to be a good time here at the Upland Nation podcast. Uh, Put on your your bibs, get out your cutlery, and let's uh, dine a little bit. Take things from field to feast. It's all made possible by Sage and Breaker Gun Care Products, Pointer Shotguns, Mid-Valley Clays and Shooting School, TrueLock Choke Tubes, MidwayUSA.com, and FindBirdHuntingSpots.com. Oh, constantly, constantly the last month or so of the season, been searching for snow-free ground. And uh, you find it. Once in a while, maybe you found it there. I found it here. We were um, we were up in northern Nevada uh, in a place that, that generally pays off for us, but this time it was not, so we were going farther, deeper, and higher. When the angels sang, the chorus was echoing in the hills as we rounded a corner, and there was something right out of Arches National Park. I mean, it was the lighting was right. There was light on the other side of that arch. It was golden inside. The dog was running through it, and my friend Dave was standing there. Great shot. I should put it up on the Facebook page. I'll show you that, among others. No, <laughs> we never saw a sign of a bird up there, but it was worth it anyway. You ever have that experience? Yeah, sometimes the best bag is an empty bag. As long as you're with good friends, your dogs are doing well, and you find incredible scenery like that. We stood under it and uh, and admired it for a while. Then we realized the big boulder we were standing next to had fallen off the ceiling of that arch, who knows how many thousands of years ago. We did not tempt fate. Oh, how about you? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Lots of fun going on with with all of you. Uh, most of us, the uh, season is over. Um, yeah, but it could be worse. We got lots of great memories and, and having a little fun with, well, for example, some of the pictures we took. I put up on the Facebook pages a, a, a few days back a picture of Flick uh, seated in the driver's seat with the window about halfway up. So, 
So uh, imagine, if you will, his nose is not visible through the window. No, not because I don't wash it, but because it was so con- there was condensation and rain on the outside. But from his mustache up to his eyes, he's got this incredible, determined, possibly slightly frustrated look. And I, I asked you all to write your own captions for it. So Colin Smith comes up with, I know where you hide. Eric Copang, you've been watching my TV show? He says, Flick was saying, you think you can hit a bird this time? (laughs) Fred Slyfield says, Flick is saying, take me hunting. Mark Powelsik, maybe Powelchik, now that I think about it. Flick says, don't break my treat in half ever again. Stillwater Dave says, eyes ready to hunt, woman. Brian Wormick says, let me out of here. No more driving. Let's hunt now. Gino Lamas put it succinctly. This better be the last time you sleep in. Okay, where are we going today, bucko? That's Anna Wolf's contribution. Flick says a lot of things, but so far he's never said any of those things. Anyway, enjoy those. They're great to share. I hope you enjoy the heck out of your dog as much as I enjoy mine. And yes, he makes fun of me and I make fun of him, but that's okay. It's a two-way street. Hey, the Upland Nation podcast is brought to you in part by TrueLockChokes.com, in addition to a lifetime warranty and a satisfaction guarantee. One of the coolest and most convenient aspects of their website is... You can shop for choke tubes by gun manufacturer. So whatever gun you own, you can shop for all the tubes that are available to you by the name of the company that made your gun. Yeah, truelockchokes.com, where you can shop that way or any other way. There's a couple other choices out there as well. It's all at truelockchokes.com. And speaking of .com, sageandbreaker.com now has an easier, faster checkout program through PayPal. It's a one-touch system, so if you're a PayPal member, it's just as simple as it can be. Sign up for the uh, email list, and you won't miss out on future sales and new products coming down the pike. It's all at sageandbreaker.com. Well, this has been a long time coming, and I'm so looking forward to having a discussion with him. I've been a fanboy for years. This is a guy who will put virtually anything in his mouth. Andrew Zimmern, he is, is an Emmy-winning and four-time James Beard Award-winning TV personality. If you know him, it's probably from his travel channel show, Bizarre Foods, but now he's over on our side of the aisle on the outdoor channel uh he'll talk more about what he's doing over there but um it's a pleasure to finally speak with you andrew thanks for coming along on the upland nation podcast well thank you for having me i'm looking forward to this me too uh and uh, t- to finally meet a guy who kind of is is a wild and crazy guy when it comes to you know food 
we're, we're big believers in turning uh, things into feasts after we bring them out of the field. So here we are. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. It's interesting that you and I know it was a figure of speech in terms of coming over to our side yeah. uh, on the outdoor channel, you know, for 20 years in television prior to doing Wild Game Kitchen on Outdoor Channel, um, I was always out in, you know, on the water, in yeah. the field, in yeah. the forest, you know, hunting and fishing, trapping wherever I could. And, and in fact, having hunting and fishing experiences that no one else is ever probably going to have again with the people whom I did it with. Um, I'm not sure anyone else is ever going to be allowed to live with the Juntoisi, a tribal people in Botswana who are so heavily protected and have become even more heavily protected over the last five years than they were in the previous 10 when we, I mean, it took us five years of petitioning the Botswana wow. government to go in and, and meet with them. And, you know, one of the things that, that they do uh, that we were able to document in the show is we were able to go on a couple of hunts with them. One was for uh, giant African porcupines, uh, which means finding their, uh, their underground burrows. And the, by the way, these, these animals weigh about 70 pounds. Ew. So, so the, 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 the tribal hunters take a spear and go down face first. Uh, <laughs> into the burrow to locate them uh, where, they, where they are speared and then withdrawn. Um, now, that kind of, that kind of thing is, uh, was one of the scarier experiences of my life. Going after uh, hibernating lungfish uh, in Uganda um, is, you know, are, are things that just, I, I don't think any uh, person such as myself uh, is going to have the opportunity to do again. Uh, giant sea scallop uh, beds only existed one place in the world. I was able to go uh, fishing for those um, with uh, native islanders in uh, off Appia and Samoa, but the tsunami six years ago uh, wiped out those scallop beds. They don't exist anymore. So, you know, add to that all the different other more conventional experiences that I had that were pretty phenomenal. Um, it's a pretty impactful record. When I was pitching the, the outdoor game cooking show to the, the, the outdoor channel folks, I, I think they, I was just talking for a couple minutes and I glanced over and they were just in shock because they weren't as familiar with all the types of hunting and the experiences that I'd had around the world, um, which is uh, which is a super cool way of saying I've I've always been a part of this. I think it's extremely important. I don't know how you interact in the world and call yourself uh, a a champion for sustainability without spending time hunting and fishing in the outdoors. I, I, I just don't separate the two. Well, absolutely. And I'm, I'm, in, I'm, I'm, I'm in favor of all of what you said. Fortunately, when we're in danger, it's because the, the, 
the pheasant is flying right at us and we have to duck and that's about as close as <laughs> uh, or worse heading straight away from you yeah well i'd take that any day but you've seen me shoot <laughs> yes. i'll tell you some of my toughest some of my toughest shots have been a, a fast bird heading straight away from me at 12 o'clock yeah. i i don't know you know i mean part of it is they're presenting a very small profile um, but other than small species of ducks that tend to whiz around uh, the Canadian lakes at the end of the fall, beginning of winter, right before it's completely iced in, uh, God, that's a tough moment for me. Some of my better shots have been what I call trailing shots, where I, <laughs> you know, I'm, uh, you know, shoot them right up the tuchus. Yeah, yeah, which uh, you know, to me, the, even. Even I can hit one of those once in a while, but usually even I am behind on those shots if there is such a way to do that. Um, so, so tell me about the new show, uh, Wild Game Kitchen. Let's just, uh, let's just get a little more familiar with what you're doing on that show and why, why it can help us. Well, I, am, uh, I went on my very first uh, bird hunt uh, when I was in high school mm -hmm. and uh, we went back to, you know, I, I watched, I was, I had not hunted before. So uh, I saw some, but I'd done some cooking and I'd already been started working in restaurants mm -hmm. and I was reading a lot about food. I already knew I was going to be in the food business. It, you know, the die was already cast. And I remember watching these guys breasting these, these beautiful geese out in the field and I looked at them. I said, you're going to leave the legs there? What about all the skin? What about the necks? I mean, the neck skin, to put a sausage inside that neck skin and then roast it and have that crispy neck skin as the casing around it is something that the Hungarians uh, especially have been doing in uh, traditional cooking for thousands of years. It's, it's one of the great delicacies in the world. And I couldn't believe the waste that I was seeing. <laughs> and then we would go back to someone's house after a pheasant shoot, and they would, you know, clean a couple of birds, chop them up, a uh, lot of broken bone, and uh, they go into a, uh, you know, a slow cooker with a couple of cans of condensed mushroom soup. And someone would start cooking some wild rice, and then a few hours later, we would have this. <laughs> sort of, uh, you know, uh, pheasant in its own gravy over wild rice. And for those who had grown up with grandpa doing those things, um, it was, quote unquote, just how they learned. And on the on the crockpot pheasant side of things, it was, you know, a comfort food dish. It, it made them think of being young at, at, you know, grandma or grandpa's house or at the duck camp or whatever it was. And um, as the years went by and I was doing more and more hunting around the world and more and more cooking and, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think there's any, uh, I, I don't mean this in, in an egotistical way, but, you know, I certainly have a, a, a very large skill set in the culinary world um, and from a culinary standpoint. And uh, I was cooking many many different things and people would come to my house and you know i know it's the cliche of cliches but you know when you're taking you know two or three different game meats and doing 
shish kebabs with them with, you know, vegetables from the garden or from the farm stand in the middle of the summer because you've, you know, you've, you've taken care of the meat and you've frozen it and you've defrosted it. And, you know, you could put two or three different types of venison and, you know, maybe a chunk of uh, a friend's moose that he gave you and, you know, have everything go into cubes and, you know, grill it the right way, uh, you know, and serve it with, you know, a, a fantastic, you know, sauce or relish or something on the side um, and have friends look at you and say, that's the, that's the best beef I've ever had. And you tell them, well, that's, you know, that's, you know, access deer, access deer and antelope and moose, you know, that, that's not, that's, that's not beef. Um, And yet they're conditioned to look at anything on a shish kebab with tomatoes and onions and peppers as, as being that, or, you know, I'm able to do something other than grind with my leftover um, uh, trim uh, on any red meat and that I'm able to uh, saute pheasant breasts and legs and thighs um, with, you know, apple brandy, apples, currants, apple cider and apple cider vinegar, uh, as we did in season one of Wild Game Kitchen and have it on the table in 25 minutes and have everyone look at me like, you're crazy. Don't you have to cook this for a long time? It's like, no, you got to make sure the dark meat is cooked to a certain temperature, temperature so the collagen and connective tissue melts. But why not apply more modern, sophisticated approaches to food to the meat that we're putting uh, onto uh, the, the, the butcher's table uh, into the boat and the ice cooler ourselves, right? Um, yeah. And so I, you know, because I had always done this, you know, I, I remember being with my, my ex-father-in-law up in uh, Lake Mille Lacs, which is a fantastic walleye lake um, in north-central Minnesota. And we, we, it was a slot year, and, you know, we, we were lucky. We got like six fish that were the right size and uh, all keepers. And we were allowed to keep that many that year. And we came back to the house and he's like, well, let's cut them up and fry them. And I said, well, can I cook them? And he's like, sure. And so I staked them out all in, on green stick and leaned them over the fire. And I basted them with, uh, with uh, sake and honey and ginger. And uh, then I made a sauce, a miso sauce with them and prepared them in a Japanese style. The way Japanese would oven ro- would roast fish over an open charcoal fire yeah, and people started pulling up with their boats because they wanted to see what fish were leaning. You know, our, our fire pit was down by the dock. They wanted to see who was, why were you leaning lake fish over an open fire? I was like slowly roasting them. And I, you know, I took pictures of that and showed them to the folks at outdoor channel. And I said, this is nothing that this is three or four pantry items and an open fire and it's just an alternative to a shore lunch and by the way i'm also going to cook a shore lunch uh with a different fish you know with uh lake superior whitefish but i'm going to show people how to make two or three different kinds of coleslaw or i'm going to show them how to make tartar sauce from scratch and oh by the way if you don't have fish that you pulled out of uh water yourself you can do this with a piece of salmon from the fish store um, so that no one is left out of the equation. That was very important to me. When, 
when you're cooking something, if you're going to do a, a, a cake baking show, but you're only going to do it for people who are professional level patissiers, you're going to lose three quarters of your audience because they're just going to they're going to say I can't make that exactly in in our show there is nothing that a first time cook who's never picked up a knife and a cutting board and a potter pan can't do if they look at the recipe and follow it it's very 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 simple cooking because as you know the higher the quality of the food of the ingredients the more you kind of just have to get out of the way and let the ingredients speak for themselves. Any Anyone who has ever bagged a pheasant or shot a deer or pulled a trout into a boat knows that that animal on the fire that day, there is nothing that beats it in terms of flavor and texture. So you just want to do as little to it and just teach general principles of good cooking and inspire people to do more with it. Now, at the same time, we shoot these shows in beautiful locations, uh, out in the field, next to the water, in the hill country in Texas. I think I am, uh, you know, funny enough. And uh, we have a really good time. I love cooking for people. And by the way, I've never done a stand and stir show. Food Network, all the other networks have all asked me dozens of times do a stand and stir show and I've said no and the reason is I don't want to do a show that is one that someone else could do yeah you know I I don't want to I don't seek to be the best I'd rather be the only and so you know I said well you know something there are lots of people who are cooking uh food that's taken in the wild um but nobody is doing it the level that I'm doing it with the accessibility that I'm doing it with the teaching points that I'm including. And so I thought, well, you know something that I will do. And we just shot season three, uh, that'll air, I think this spring of 2023. And, um, I'm just so excited. It's a great, great show. Well, I love it, and I love what you're doing with it, and I know exactly what you're talking about. I had four shows on the Outdoor Channel, too, um, back in the day, and and, and the same thing is still holding true. If you can be a little bit, if you break through in one or more ways, all of a sudden things uh, seem to work. Hold that thought. I want you to start thinking about upland game birds from the quails to the pheasants. Sure. And and we'll talk about them and practical stuff. You talked about, you used the word sophisticated in there in, in the way I wanted you to use it in that we, we want to we just make sure that we can do some of these things and we, we are not afraid of doing them. So hold that thought for just a moment. This is the Upland Nation podcast. That is Andrew Zimmern. His show is The Wild Game Kitchen. It's on the Outdoor Channel. I'm Scott Linden. We're brought to you in part by MidwayUSA.com. They got just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors. Yeah, MidwayUSA.com. From dummy launchers to boots, extremely competitive pricing. If they don't have it, yeah, you don't need it. And most products ship free. Learn more about them and watch for my new videos over there at MidwayUSA.com.
And welcome back to the Upland Nation podcast, Andrew Zimmern, uh, Emmy Award winning and four-time James Beard. How many people can claim that, Andrew? Uh, well, you know, the Emmy winners, it, it starts to get to be pretty rarefied air. That was yeah, a stunner. Yeah. I, I never imagined um, that, you know, I would have that descriptor after my name. Um, you know, I've been nominated, well, if you include the four wins, 17 times Woo. for James Beard Awards, uh, which for those that don't know are sort of the Oscars of the food world. Um the, the thing that I'm proudest of is that three of those four wins were for uh, television personality of the year. And I'm still the only person to have ever won that award three times. Um, and, and I, when people ask me, what are you proudest of? You know, number one is being a dad. Number two is, you know, being a good global citizen. Number three is that, I mean, I, I'm not sure that, you know, uh, that that is something that can be duplicated probably because of the way they give out the awards now, yeah, yeah. but to have won, to have won that three times, uh, is, is to me really something special. All right. Well, so let's earn your keep here. Uh, we got guys who are bringing home pheasants, quails, yep. grouses of various <laughs> sorts. Oh, and, 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 you know, I apologize. I was drooling all over the control board as you were describing some of the things you've done. Uh, but make it easy on us. Besides the condensed mushroom soup in the crock pot, give us, take us to the next level, but not two levels above quite yet. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. I, I you know, the reason that I wanted to do something that was a, a step above crock pot pheasant. Uh, and why I use that as an example all the time, taking nothing away from grandma yep. or for anyone's yep. love of yep. the comfort food aspect of it. Anyone who's alive today, whether you're eight or 80, has been exposed in the last however many years that they've been uh, media savvy because of those devices in our hands called phones that do a hell of a lot of other things everyone is way more food savvy. Yeah. I mean, way more food savvy. Um, you know, in, in rural Minnesota, there are people who, you know, drive into town and can eat, a, eat sushi at a Japanese restaurant. I mean, it's like the world, the food world has changed. And along with it, so have our tastes. And we, we want more. We expect more. Um, we are exposed at night on television and, you know, I just use it night metaphorically to so many different styles of food. So why not? Why not? You know, if you love fried chicken, well, grouse is a fantastic bird uh, to fry. Why not uh, marinate that in buttermilk uh, and herbs and spices for 24 hours uh, and then dredge it? Um, and maybe instead of uh, flour, you want to dredge it in tapioca starch because you happen to know that Korean fried chicken gets super extra crispy from potato starch and tapioca starch. Uh, so maybe you want to try one of those. And then when you fry it, maybe you want to throw a couple pieces of bacon ends uh, from the local meat shop that are sitting in your freezer in there to aromatize that oil with that smoky porkiness. Um and when it comes out, maybe you're a fan of Nashville hot chicken. So 
while some people may not want it spicy, maybe you, you've made a, a seasoning blend that you put on the table for people to sprinkle onto their their fried chicken fried grouse, as it were. <laughs> um, and if you pair it with a homemade potato salad or a homemade coleslaw, which, by the way, is so simple and easy, um, instead of one from the local supermarket, you have now plussed up your food game by a factor of about 100. You know, people used to say, you know, 40, 50 years ago, well, I don't want to make it from scratch. Why would I make coleslaw from scratch? I can get some at the deli counter at the supermarket just as easily. That's true. You can. And you can still do that today. And by the way, the coleslaw and the potato salad at the supermarket have improved. However, what I would suggest to people is that if you enjoy the, the, the yoga, and I mean that in the classic spiritual sense of sitting in a boat, tossing a line back and forth, or fly fishing, or, or duck hunting, uh, where you're laying out decoy and sitting and waiting and, and calling ducks into the blind, uh, or working with your dog on a cold October morning on you know some corn rows, you know the, the, the spiritual experience you have with the quiet of the morning in your own head, just focused on yourself, your dog, maybe a friend, just the sound of the crunch of your boots. Well, I would argue you get the same spiritual benefit enjoying the yoga of cooking. Now, I'm not asking somebody to tie themselves to the stove for eight hours the way I might do for fun on a Sunday. But I would, I would encourage you to cook off the potatoes the night beforehand. You know, make, uh, chop your own uh, vegetables, create a different seasoning mixture, combine them together the day of, and see how much better your homemade potato salad is, but also how much more fun it is to make it all yourself. Well, um, you, you, know, you know, you're absolutely right. I mean, what we're trying to do here is, is continue the hunting experience to the table. And, and, and by, you know, enjoy, you know, doing the preparation and everything like that, doesn't that just add to the, to the gestalt of the cooking and hunting? Well, not only does it do that, but imagine doing that with your family member yeah. and connecting with them mm -hmm. some more. Um, there are many people who hunt with friends and come home to family members that don't go out into field and stream with them. I know a lot of them here in Minnesota. What's amazing to me is if you bring it back and then you're cooking together, you're involving them with that process. Imagine being able to share some food with your five-year-old who isn't old enough to go out into the field and stream with you, but yeah. gets really excited about, even more excited about being old enough to do it because they've tasted how good that, that meat or that fish or that bird is on the table. Yeah. Um, I think it's an inclusive action item as opposed to an exclusionary action item. And, you know, I, I, I hate to say it, but you know, I, I have friends who are in their 40s and 50s who don't eat certain kinds of uh, animals or fish because when they were little growing up, you know, grandpa yeah, kept yeah. the meat or the fish for a day or two longer in the fridge and then froze it. And then three months later, took it out and cooked it. And, you know, they were eating fish that wasn't necessarily great or meat that wasn't necessarily, you know, uh, uh, fantastic. Um, we now have the ability uh, with you know, small little $70, you know, seal a meal devices and other storage units to 
to process food so safely and so perfectly that I can defrost trout fillets from a, a trip to Montana a year ago and have them be almost as good as the day that they went into the mm-hmm. uh, ice chest, not just the freezer, the ice chest. And, you know, to be able to enjoy food like that with friends and have some techniques in your back pocket for a very simple sauce or a very simple cooking technique. You know, one of the things that we did in the show with uh, some rainbows that uh, we had caught was I wrapped them in paper thin slices of, sh- of prosciutto and roasted them over indirect heat over wood coals. And the, the antique expression of aged fat in that prosciutto that melted and basted that fish that had herb sprigs and lemon slices inside the cavity. And then all I did was took those same herbs and made an herb sauce in a blender, for gosh sakes, and served it with the fish. Mm-hmm. Um, is about as simple and easy as you could imagine. And anyone who watched me cook it would say, well, that's the easiest thing in the whole world. I can do that. But if you saw a picture of it only, you would say, well, that's from some fancy restaurant. It's it's not. I did it next to a open fire with my you know two hands and a cutting board. Let's get practical for a minute because I know you're you're on a schedule. What uh, among upland game birds? What is some? What is the biggest mistake we make when we're preparing them? Uh, lack of full utilization. Um, you know, I save every little bit and bob. Mm-hmm. I, I don't save, well, I shouldn't say I don't save the feathers. Obviously, <laughs> on, you know, on certain birds, the feathers are so majestic, they go into, you know, a little shoebox, and then I will use them for something else. Um, but, um, you know, the feet, the bones, the necks, the heads, when washed and scrubbed correctly, then browned in a pot, to which shallots are added and then some red wine and some water and things like that. Uh, and then cooked at a simmer for eight, nine hours with a cup of orange juice and a few knobs of allspice and a piece of ginger turn into a, a sauce, uh, that is, is worthy of a three-star Michelin French restaurant. You then can just simply sear your, your, pheasant breast to medium rare let them rest to medium and slice them and serve them with mashed potatoes and that and that sauce and have a meal that is second to none um you know wild ducks rendering the fat until you have uh you're just down to crispy little duck chicharron those those crispy little pieces of duck skin are delicious but you start to save up the duck fat and you can then start using that fat over and over again to confit the legs of pheasant, duck, goose. Um, I talked before about the skin on a goose neck. Um, I, I've made zamponi. I've made some different sausages. I've, di- I've you know, put a kino inside of the the neck for friends and served it over lentils. And people look at me and say, "My God, this! I've never tasted anything like this. What is it that I'm eating?" And and it's the crispy goose neck and that skin that's up to 16 inches long in some cases that is what people are commenting on. I, I think full utilization is something that uh, I'm really all about. You know, we pay that lip service, and I understand that there's you're not going to be able to do it all the time in every situation. But I would endeavor to have people uh, work with full utilization of the animal at, at all times. Um, and then I think the other thing that we do is we tend to overcook everything. Yeah. Um, 
there are many animals in the world. Uh, the clam is one. A, 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 a little neck or cherry stone clam is perfectly delicious raw and very tender. It's perfectly delicious and very tender if you cook it for hours. Anything in between, it's rubbery and tough. Well, isn't that true of a, a lot of the game birds, too? I, I mean, we I was we about know, to say. Yeah, ducks, ducks and say. geese in particular, but also the others, right? Of course, of course. Um, it, it, they have very little fat content. Mm. They are on the move. It, in the seasons in which we hunt them, they are very much on the move. And so they are at their leanest. And so one of the things that you want to make sure to do is is have an appropriate cooking technique that doesn't waste the meat that you put on your table. And there are several ways to do that, but the one that most people are pretty shocked at at my house is that if I'm doing, uh, you know, I, I, I had 20, 30 dove in the freezer the other day, and I, I stuffed them and browned them in a pan and just threw them in a 500-degree oven for three, four minutes to mm -hmm. cook them through. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I took them out, I let them rest on a tray for about 10, 12 minutes. And a friend of mine joked, when are we going to eat those? And I said, when all of those incredible juices have returned. But the, when you have a lean bird, just like we would rest a very expensive steak mm -hmm. so that all of that fat returns to the middle of the piece of meat, it's even more important with lean meats. You don't want those juices to run out on the table or on your plate because they are, that's going to create that grainy feeling in the meat. Um, it's especially too true with things like wild turkey. Uh, wild goose and duck less so simply because of the amount of fat on the animal and the time of the year that we hunt them. Yeah. Uh, but all other birds, I, and I rest my goose and my, and my duck. I think people are, you know, are going to be pretty, uh, pretty stunned. Uh, I think, the goose episode uh, of season two is airing just about now. Um, and I basically cooked it on a, on a beer can uh, in the middle of a circular fire and uh, just let it roast with essentially a rotisserie effect all around it and collected all the, all the fat in a pie tin that the beer can was sitting in. And, uh, but the quality of the meat, it, it only cooked for about 70 minutes. And even the guys on my crew were like, well, aren't you supposed to, supposed to cook goose for longer? I said, not if you want it nice and pink and moist and juicy and delicious. And then the key was letting it rest. And um, I, I think that when you use the right techniques in concert with one another, you can get the most out of your product. There you have it. The guy knows of what he speaks because he's out there doing it just like us, turning all that stuff in the field into a feast in the in the kitchen and in the dining room. Andrew Zimmern is the host creator of the the show on the Outdoor Channel called Wild Game Kitchen. If you want to learn more about him, period, Andrew Zimmern dot com is where you learn all about everything he's doing these days hey maybe you'll run into him in a field somewhere down the road andrew we're just getting warmed up around here we'll have to do this again sometime share some recipes and uh and anytime learn, learn a lot more from you in the meanwhile be safe watch out for giant porcupines thanks <laughs> <laughs> thanks for being a part of the upland nation podcast take care thank you and the rest of you, oh, you know, if if you can just stop drooling 
and we will carry on around here. In fact, keep calm and carry on is the topic that we'll be covering in our Handle It dog training segment in just a few moments. Uh, but first, a word from Pointer shotguns.com you know there's a new video out there on assembling your new semi-automatic shotgun so if you got one or you're giving one or you just want to see if you're doing it correctly taking it out of the box yeah i, I found an extra piece the last time i was putting one of mine together go to pointershotguns.com and watch that video and uh, maybe you'll learn something now let me also point out one more thing about my friends at uh, legacy sports and pointer shotguns seven year warranty ask around find out how many other shotguns come with a seven year warranty yeah they're a work of art at a price that's a thing of beauty Go to the new website, pointershotguns.com, and uh, I'll see you there. Handle it. Well, you've heard me laud them before, Rick and Ronnie Smith, the pro trainers, and, uh, and their uh, entourage, if you will, are big believers in something that, um, that is, is tough for me, but I am becoming more and more mindful of it and that is switching off the type a behavior that i am known for and staying more cool and calm when i interact with my dogs now they're german dogs so of course they're pretty hyper as well so we have to take things down a notch or two or ten all the time and the main reason to do that is first off then they're paying a little bit closer attention to you they're also focusing on the things that are at hand many times and i just uh talked with somebody about this a day or so ago we're talking about training while we're on a hunt and one of the simplest ways to kind of re rekindle the training objectives is to stop and take a moment get that dog calmed down and then run through a few of those little drills you know first thing in the morning or at lunch or if you're having a rough day maybe you take a few minutes during the hunting day itself calm everybody down try a few simple obedience or other kinds of skills just to remind them as they say in great britain keep calm carry on good dog and we are brought to you in part by Mid-Valley Clays and Shooting School. They're in Western Oregon, but you can get their stuff just by going online to midvalleyclays.com. Newsflash, those brand new Negrini cases are in now. Have you seen those? They're beautiful, made in Italy, functional and lightweight. Yep, they are everything you would want for your fine guns or your almost fine guns they will store them carefully they will protect them whether it's some baggage handler or just rattling around in the back of your truck negrini cases are now in at midvalleyclays.com well thank you andrew zimmern i think we uh we're at the start of a beautiful relationship food and fun 
We'll be talking to you again very soon. Thanks for educating us just a little bit more about the wild food that we enjoy gathering and sharing. Thank you if you made a comment at the social platforms, if you left a rating or a review. And thank you to all our sponsors, Sage and Breaker Gun Care Products, Pointer Shotguns, Mid-Valley Clays and Shooting School, True Lock Chokes. Yeah, without them, we couldn't be here. And uh, more importantly, without you, I couldn't be here. So thank you for listening. Thanks for your feedback. I'm Scott Linden. Until I talk to you next week on the Upland Nation podcast, I'll see you at the range.